283. Get your book, everyone. 283. Everyone standing tonight. There's power in the blood. 283. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Amen. Let's turn around and fellowship. Welcome our visitors tonight. verse now. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily his praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There 
precious blood of the Lamb. Amen. I'm glad there's power in the blood. Amen. Glad that you're here. I've asked our workers outside if they would kind of coordinate their beating with the music. That way, kind of blend in. They should uh, be about wrapping up out there, but it's good to see things finally get started out there. Amen. And uh, all the different, uh, some adjustments. Imogene Tig's already come in griping because she had to walk all the way around to get it. Uh, somebody tell her there's a door on this side as well. That'll help her a little bit. Amen. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless tonight. Glad that you're here. Appreciate all of you being here. And let's ask the Lord to open our hearts and to speak to us now over the next little while and glorify the Lord Jesus and everything. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your blessings and thank you for the things that are going on and what we've been able to do because of your goodness and your blessings and mercy. Now open our hearts up tonight in this service and speak to us and help us and may we worship you through everything that is said and done. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Page 385, I am thine, O Lord. Let our ushers come forward to receive our offering. And again, as I remind you, every Wednesday night, everything you give on Wednesday night goes to the supporting of our Bible conference, which is about 11 weeks away. So let me encourage you now over the next few weeks to drop in a little bit extra there, a few dollars each week, and, and it'll help us to do so much more. 
And also let me give express my appreciation to all of you that uh, worked in the uh, drama over the weekend, the 4th of July program, whether you were in the choir, the cast, or behind the scenes in the kitchen or whatever there. I want you to know how much I appreciate all that you did, your sacrifice, your time, your devotion. Uh, I, I think it was the most effective program we have done yet, just by speaking to people afterwards and even uh, just someone I met today at the funeral home or two or three people I met today at the funeral home that do not go here, but they were here and they were just going on and on and on about it. Uh, the Lord really used it this year and I thank the Lord for speaking to hearts, but I want you to know how much we appreciate all that you did. And I think the rest of you here, uh, I know you appreciate them, but I don't think you have any idea the work that goes into this uh, a program, but all these folks, they deserve another good hand for their sacrifice. And so let's, I appreciate it. Thank God for them. But I want you to know I love you and I thank God for your dedication in this area. Also, we want you to help us now. Our second uh, semester of faith begins in just a few weeks and about seven, eight weeks, about six weeks. It's, it starts in August, about six weeks from now, six, seven weeks. And uh, we have put prospect cards out there in the back there, and also they'll be given out in Sunday school this weekend. But uh, we want you to help us uh, to uh, get to folks that are out of church, that are unsaved. We want to go visit them. We want to go see them. And uh, so if you'll take and uh, these prospect cards, fill as many as you want out and turn these in to us so that we can... Uh, uh, visit these folks because that's what we're here for. We want to try to get folks saved and we want to try to get folks in church. And so let me encourage all of you to take a moment to pick up one and to fill one out. This is your family, loved ones, friends, anyone you know of. It's unsaved, out of church, has special needs in their life. Whatever it is, let us know so we can visit them. Let's pray now and you give. Father, we thank you now for your goodness and for your blessings. Bless the offering now and bless the reason for which it is given our conference in the fall. Even now, we begin to lift the conference up to you that you would touch it and anoint it, that it would be a time of refreshing for everyone involved, both here and for the many that will come in. Bless the giver now in Jesus' name. Amen.
this song just says that God's love is amazing. And his love is just, it's matchless. It's just unspeakable, indescribable, isn't it? Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter 5, if you would, please. 1 Kings chapter 5, and for the past several Wednesday nights, we have been thinking about becoming a growing church, and we've just been trying to focus on some very simple little things, 
practical ways in which we can learn to be a growing church. We thought about a growing church as a friendly church, and then we also thought about a growing church as a caring church. Now I want us to focus tonight on really, which is the second of the church growth realities that I share with you, and we'll go over those again in just a moment. But I want us to think about a growing church is a church that wants to grow. Let's stand to our feet as we honor the reading of His Word. In 1 Kings chapter 5, verses 8, 9, and 10, we're given a passage of Scripture that reveals the desire of Solomon. There was something Solomon was doing. It was something he was doing because he wanted to do it. It just focuses upon the desire that he had. 1 Kings 5, verse 8, the Scripture said in Hiram, sent to Solomon, saying, I have considered the things which thou sentest to me for, and I will do all thy desire concerning timber of cedar and concerning timber of fir. My servants, verse 9, shall bring them down from Lebanon under the sea, and I will convey them by sea in floats unto the place that thou shalt appoint me, and will cause them to be discharged there, and thou shalt receive them, and thou shalt accomplish my desire." in the giving food for my household. Verse 10, So Hiram gave Solomon cedar trees and fir trees according to all his desire. Thank you. you. may be seated. As you look at that scripture there, you find that Solomon made a deal with certain ones about certain materials. He's getting certain types of wood from one. And you read in other places where he was getting this from the queen of sheep and different things. And and it kind of worked out a deal where if you'll give me this, I'll see that you have this and whatever. But as you read the text there, uh, Hiram is talking about Solomon's desire, what he wanted to do. Everything in the building process was because it was in the heart of Solomon. It's something that he desired to do. Well, a growing church, obviously, is a church that wants to grow. No church will grow that does not want to grow. Let's pray and we'll focus upon a few things tonight from the scriptures or just a few practical things, simple things that I want to set before you. Father, in Jesus' name, as we gather here tonight, we are grateful for what you've been doing here at Temple Baptist Church. We're grateful for what you've done through the years. But dear God, we want to do more. And you know that our motives, Lord, to the best of our ability are not impure. But you know our motives, Lord, that we desire to do your work and desire to reach more people for Christ and to maximize every potential that we have. So, Father, we do not pray with an ulterior motive when we say we want to do more and ask you to do more, but we do it for the name of Jesus Christ. So, Father, ask, ask, pray that you'd speak to us tonight. And we ask, Lord, that you would stir us. And I know, dear God, that the desire to do something for you must be put in our hearts by you. And Lord, I know that in this congregation, Lord, if there is going to be a consuming desire to do something special and unique for you, that it will be a desire that you put in the heart. So Lord, we ask you tonight, and I lift up myself and this congregation, that you would deposit within our heart that deep desire to want to do something greater for you. Lord, we ask you now to speak to hearts and we'll thank you and praise you for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A few weeks ago when I began sharing with you things that I believe, or in my opinion, is absolutely essential to have a growing church, I gave you at the very beginning what I called church growth realities. Let me point them out to you again. There are four of them, 
And I want you to get very familiar with them over the summer months as we focus upon the thought of becoming a growing church. The first church growth reality that I share with you is this, that we can have a growing church. Now, do you believe that tonight? Do you really believe that, that we can have a growing church? I believe Temple Baptist Church has as much potential as anybody for having a growing church. We can have a growing church. Church growth reality number two was we should want to be a growing church. Not only can we be a growing church, but we should want to be a growing church. Nothing wrong with desiring to do more. Nothing wrong with wanting to grow. I believe that would honor and glorify God if we desire to want to grow. We should want to be a growing church. Church growth reality number three is we should become a growing church. Not only can we become a growing church, not only should we want to be a growing church, but we should become a growing church. In light of souls that are dying and going to hell, we ought to be a growing church. In light of the nearness of the return of Jesus Christ, we ought to be a growing church. Our desire to grow is motivated by eternal realities, that people are dying every day and we're getting further and further behind and that Jesus Christ is soon to come and what time we have left to win people to Christ is very lim limited. So therefore... We ought to say we ought to be and we must be a growing church. And then the church reality number four is we should settle for nothing less than a growing church. We can grow. We should want to grow. We should become a growing church and we should settle for nothing less than a growing church. Whatever it takes, whatever we need to do, whatever course of action we need to take, whatever steps must be involved, we should settle for nothing less than a growing church. Those are the four church growth realities that I share with you in the very beginning. Now tonight, my thoughts center around the second of these church growth realities, and that is wanting to be a growing church. You see, a church that grows is a church that wants to grow. I have never known of a church that growed or experienced any kind of growth that did not want to grow. You've got a desire to grow. You must want to grow. When I think about desire, I think about a story I read just this week about a young man that was hitching, hitchhiking down south and a farmer driving an old pickup stopped to give him a lift. And as they were driving, the farmer started bragging about how good the local moonshine was. And the young fella told him that he didn't drink very much and probably wouldn't uh, moonshine would be a little bit too strong for his taste. And the old farmer said, oh, nonsense, you've got to try some. And the young man said, no, I don't think I'd be interested. And the farmer said, no, you've got to try some. And so he started fishing around behind him, and he pulled out a small jug, and he said, here. And he handed the jug to the young man and said, take a drink. And the young man said, oh, no, no thanks. He said, I, I really wouldn't care for it. And the farmer said, no, I insist, take a drink. He said, no, no, really, no thanks. I really don't want one. And the farmer wasn't going to take no for an answer, so he pulled off the side of the road. He got a shotgun off the back of the rack, pointed at the gun, and said, I said, take a drink. So the young man, he got, said, okay. So he turned it up, and he swallowed some, and his throat muscles tightened, his eyes watered, and he began to choke as he about burned him up. And, and the old farmer said, what do you think about it? Well, fearing that he'd make him drink some more if he didn't say something, he said, that, that, that wasn't too bad. And the old farmer then handed the shotgun to him and said, now point at me, make me drink some, amen. Well, I want to say that when it comes to somebody that really has a desire for something, they don't need a lot of persuasion. They'll go to any extremes to get what they want. But when I think about the matter of wanting something and having a desire for something 
and wanting to grow, it is absolutely essential to grow in church growth. Thomas, uh, Thomas Carlyle said of Thomas De Quincey that he was full of bankrupt enthusiasms. And I think about many churches, they are bankrupt when it comes to enthusiasm. They are bankrupt when it comes to goals. They are bankrupt when it comes to ambition. They are bankrupt when it comes to this matter of really desiring to do something for God. Bankrupt of enthusiasm, bankrupt of a burden, bankrupt of a desire. But yet I think a Longfellow's poem, Excelsior, which is sang the praises of a youth that passed through an Alpine village and even against the advice of an old man, a maiden, and the pious monks of St. Bernard, he was spurred on to his ascent by the one word, excelsior, which means climbing higher. When I think about doing something for God, it doesn't matter what we have seen, and it doesn't matter where we have gone or where we are at, we ought to be having this desire to go higher yet to reach more people for Christ, to do more for God, to be able to send more, give out support, more missionaries. And whatever it might be, any category you want to look at, we ought to be saying with the help and the grace of God, we want to do more. And when it comes to the matter of church growth, we ought to say, we want to grow, no matter what the cost. I think it's something that President John Kennedy once said. He said there are costs and there are risks to a program of action but they're far less than the long-range risk and the cost of, of comfortable inaction. And I would agree with him. When I think about the cost of growing, and there are costs to growing, and when I think about the risk in church growth, there are risks in church growth, but I want to say that the cost and the risk are nothing compared to the cost and the risk of not wanting to grow and not trying to grow. I learned this a long time ago. A church just does not set still. And a church does not just get to a certain level and just stay there. It may for a period of time, but that church, if it, it, it's either going to grow or it's going to begin to decline. It will not stay that way long. And so the risk of inactivity are far more costly than the risk and the cost of wanting to do something for God. I believe we can grow. And for that reason, it should be our desire to grow. One of my favorite authors was an old Methodist preacher by the name of Charles Allen. Pastored several of the larger Methodist churches in this country, and he pastored for a number of years in Atlanta, Georgia. But in one of his books, he tells about when he and his wife started dating. And he describes it how it was a Sunday afternoon on the campus of Young Harris College. And he talked about the beautiful mountains that were all around them and the bright October sunshine that made them glisten like great jewels. And he tells about how he spent the whole afternoon telling her that someday he was going to be a pastor of a church in a big city and would have a great Sunday night service to which many people would come and find God. And he writes, I was only 16 years old at the time, but the picture was clear in my mind. And he went on to say, that was a poor way to court, but I won the girl and I got the church too. Well, I want to say tonight that you've got to want it. And when it comes to the matter of growing, we've got to want to grow. Are you with me now? Amen. We must want to grow. And in all the things involved, but it starts with the desire. So for that reason, let me just say about three things to you tonight, or three main things, and I just want you to ask yourself some questions tonight. There's some things I want you to ask yourself. Write these down, and I want you to ask yourself tonight. I want you to search your heart. Like I am searching my heart, I want you to search your heart. This is the first question I want you to ask yourself. Do I really want my church to grow? 
Do I really want my church to grow? I want you to write it down. I want you to ask yourself the question. Do I really want my church to grow? We're talking about becoming a growing church. And a growing church must want to grow. Now here's the question. Do I really want my church to grow? Now before you answer that, I want to ask you something. Do you really want your church to grow First of all, understanding that church growth costs money. Second of all, understanding that church growth costs time. And thirdly, understanding that church growth requires change. Now, do you really want your church to grow? It's very easy for someone to say, yeah, I want a church to grow. But then when it comes down to the matter of money and realizing, hey, look, it may mean that I'm going to have to dig up a little extra once in a while. Then they began to reevaluate their answer. And realizing that it costs time, that a church growing is more than wanting it to grow, but it's somewhere it's going to involve time. Time from its members. Time from those who belong to that congregation. And even understanding that sometimes it is even going to force and demand change. You know why a lot of churches don't want to grow? They say they want to grow, but they really don't want to grow. It's because they don't want to change. It's my, me and my mom and Uncle John's church, and this is the way it's been for 50 years, and we're not going to change. This is the way we've always done it. This is the way we've always had things. This is the way we've always approached things there. And there's a lot of things that you maintain and a lot of things that will never die when it comes to a growing church. But sometimes there are ways, and when it comes in a growing church, you've got to do things a little different. And you have to approach it a little bit different. You have to reorganize and you have to face it this way and realize that we're no longer dealing with 100 people. We're now dealing with 500 people. And then as you get bigger, when you get 1,000, you realize we've got to do everything different now because we're dealing with twice as many people. And a lot of churches are not willing to grow because, one, they don't want to pay the price when it comes to the expense of the matter. Two, they don't want to pay the price when it comes to giving a time. And thirdly, they don't want to really change. So I ask you, in light of those three things, do I really want my church to grow? Do I really want Temple Baptist Church to grow? Second of all, ask yourself this. Not only do I really want my church to grow, but second of all, am I praying for my church to grow? Am I praying for church growth? A number of years ago, and I've glanced through this book several times through the years, but I read a book a number of years ago by C. Peter Wagner entitled, Your Church Can Grow. And inside one of the chapters, he gives what he calls the qualities of church growth leaders. And I found these somewhat fascinating. But he says that these are the qualities of church growth leaders. He said, for one thing, they are single, they're single-minded obedience. And he explained that by saying church growth leaders take the lordship of Christ very seriously and they're willing to pay the price to do whatever is necessary to obey the commands of God and the Great Commission. There's a single-minded obedience in a church growth leader. He said also that a, single, that a quality of a church growth leader is a clearly defined objective. Not only is there a single-minded obedience, but there's a clearly defined objective. And he explained by saying they are not reluctant to set measurable goals and then to allow their success or failures to be evaluated in line of those goals. Risky as the procedure may seem to those that are unfamiliar with church growth objectives. 
But they are clearly defined objectives. This is what they're trying to do. This is where they're trying to go. And that is the focus of their life. He also said that a quality of a church growth leader is a reliance on discerning research. And he explained how more and more is becoming known about how to plan intelligently. And a good leader is someone that is always making himself familiar with what is going on or how to do it and things of that matter. He also said that a quality of a church growth leader is a ruthlessness in evaluating results. He says they're very pragmatic. He talks about if methods are being used that are not accomplishing their goals, then they either change or drop that particular method, and they find the method that is effective. They are ruthless when it comes to evaluating results. And then this is the one that I want to point out. He says there's an attitude of optimism and faith. And I quote, They are excited about participating in the building of the church worldwide, and they rejoice when churches grow and multiply, and they pray for conversions in large numbers. In other words, he says one of the qualities of a church growth leader is they pray for growth. They go to the very one that growth originates, friend. They go to God realizing that it is the Lord that adds to the church. That the Lord added to the church daily, as the Scripture said. They began to pray for church growth. Now let me ask you tonight, don't respond in any way, but have you ever prayed, God, let my church grow? Has it become a burden of your heart to begin to seek God in prayer? Lord, let us be a growing church. Lord, bless our church. May it grow. And you remember in the very beginning when we talked about growth, we talked about growth basically in two ways. One, spiritual growth. God, would you let us grow spiritually? Let me grow spiritually. Don't let my spiritual life be stagnant. Don't let me just sit here in a spiritual rut. And you know what a rut is? It's a grave with both ends knocked out. Can I get an amen right there? But, I mean, just sitting here, ask yourself tonight, do you really feel you're growing in Christ? Do you feel like your spiritual life, that you're experiencing spiritual growth, that you're learning, you're maturing, you're developing in your walk with Jesus Christ? Spiritual growth, and then obviously numerical growth. And we, I make no bones about it. I'm not ashamed to say we want to grow numerically. I want us to grow spiritually, but I'm not at least a bit embarrassed or hesitant to say that I also want to grow numerically. Because when I talk about growing numerically, I want to get more people in. Don't you? I want to see more people saved. And the more people we get in the church, the more that we can disciple and train to do the work for God, and the result would be more and more and more will be saved. Wouldn't it a blessing to come in here Sunday night and have to fight your way to find a seat? Wouldn't it a blessing? Well, I believe that can happen every Sunday here, don't you? Four of you believe that. Four of you. I'm so glad, praise God, that some of you want to grow. But I really believe this. And I am not going to hush up until we see that here. But praying for church growth. Let me ask you to put this on your prayer list. Pray for God to bless the church. Pray that God will bless Sunday school. Pray that God will bless the services. Pray that we grow. Pray for growth, church growth. And then number three, ask yourself this. Am I willing to do my part to see the church grow? Do I really want my church to grow? Understanding that it'll cost money. Understanding that it'll cost time. Understanding that it may even require change. 
But do I really want my church to grow? Am I praying for church growth? And am I willing to do my part to see my church grow? Now, before you answer that, let me just ask you something else. Am I willing to do my part to see the church grow? One understanding that it'll demand my involvement. Am I willing to do my part to see my church grow? And I understand that in light of the fact that it will require my involvement in what's going on in that church. I've said this before. I'm all the time asked, Brother Ken, why don't we have this? Why don't we have this class? Why don't we start this? Why don't we have this ministry? And the simple answer is, a lot of, and I say to them, yes, we want to, and that's one of our goals and we're praying for. But the simple answer is this, that it takes people to do these things. And if you don't have the people to do them, you can't do them. And so a lot of times we are limited in what we can do because we are limited in those that are involved. So I'm asking you tonight, do you really want your church to grow and do your part in it, understanding that it's going to demand your involvement and then also understanding that your involvement is going to demand some of your time? You cannot be involved without giving some of your time. And I know we live in a society, and I'm going to tell you, I, I'm a, I've always been a student of revival, but I'm going to tell you why we do not have revival in America in this generation. Because we got too many things going. Back years ago, and of course in the olden days there, when the sun went down, that was pretty well the end of the day. I never read anywhere where Paul Revere took his kids to the Little League or anything like that. And uh, Benjamin Franklin, I don't know that he went bold and whatever. And I'm not against all those things. I don't mean that at all. But what I'm saying is that they didn't have as many things to distract them and to devote their attention to as we have in this day. The point is, we have got to the place we've got so many things filling our life that Christ is not the chief focus of our life and our hunger for God is not what it should be because we're so pulled apart in so many ways. We don't have time for God to give us revival. But you'll never see a church grow until, first of all, the people get involved. And involvement always requires some of your time. You're going to have to give some of your time. And it'll have to be, listen, for a real growing church, it's going to have to cost more time than you just showing up for your class or showing up for your Wednesday night position or showing up for your Sunday position. It will take time, sometimes even out of your week. Are you willing to do your part, understanding that, my, that it's going to and demand my involvement? And understanding that my involvement is going to demand some of my time. And thirdly, that my time is going to require my dedication. The only way anybody will give their time is when they're dedicated to something. Dedicated to what we need to do. Dedicated to eternal principles. Dedicated to things of God. Dedicated to the fact that the gospel must get out. Dedicated to the fact that I must win people to Christ. That we must reach other people. That we must disciple. Because everything else is earthly things. And when it's all said and done, only that which is of eternal value is that which will last for eternity. And I submit unto you tonight, that's the thing to dedicate your life to. Eternal things. Realize that your time is going to require your dedication. And last of all, your dedication is going to mean that it is, is a priority in your life. It has to be a priority. If it comes, whatever it is, you Sunday school teachers, your class has to be a priority in your life. If you're in faith, it has to be a priority in your life. If you're in uh, the youth ministries, it has to be a priority in your life. 
Whatever it is, it can't be just something you interject in here at a certain time during the week. It has to be a priority. You visit churches, and, and I, when I'm out of town and meeting in different things, if I know of a church and somewhere in the vicinity there that I've heard about is really doing something, I go visit them. Many of the ideals that we have incorporated here, I have picked up from this place and picked up from that place and go see what they're doing and how God is blessing. And then God would put that in my heart and it would be something he would want to do here, maybe fitting it in our own way of doing things and whatever, maybe not necessarily duplicating what they're doing, but yet incorporating it in our ministry. But I have found this without exception. Churches that are really growing, you will find people committed to growth and you'll find people that are sacrificial in the giving of their time and what they do for God and what they do in their church is a priority in their life. You'll never find a growing church where people, do, when it's not a priority to grow. And it's not a priority to serve God. And it's not a priority to work and not a priority to give their time, no matter what it costs, no matter what it demands. This is eternal work. This is reaching people for Christ. It is the call of God, the only thing that will last for eternity. Therefore, it is a priority. That's what I'm talking about tonight. So when I ask you, am I willing to do my part to see the church grow? Are you willing to do your part? Now let's stand to our feet. Do you want to see your church grow tonight? Do you really want to see? I, I don't know. You, you believe, I, I tell but I don't know if you're just uh, inhibited about speaking out in services. If that, but don't worry about it. Everybody knows you're a nutcase becoming a temple Baptist, so go ahead and say it. Amen? And uh, I don't know if you're just tired or whatever, but do you really want your church to grow? Do you really want it to grow? Now think about these things. Think about them over the next two or three days. Let them, put them in your mind. Tonight, I want you to ask God to do this in your heart. I want you to ask God to give you a desire for your church to grow, for church growth. Ask God tonight, Lord, give me a desire for church growth. Sunday school teachers, give me a desire for my class to grow. Ask God to bust up the complacency in your heart for just things as they are and the things as they have been. Ask God tonight to put a desire in your heart to want to get your class growing. Ask God to give you a desire, you that have different ministries and department heads, to see your department grow, to see your area of service experience growth, Awana leaders, youth leaders, whatever it might be. Ask God to give you a desire for growth. Begin to pray for growth and do your part to see growth in our church. Look at your prayer sheet. Our missionary of the week is Virginia Johnson. Many of you know Jenny, and she is serving the Lord in China. Let's remember Jenny tonight. Let's be praying for her. Pray that God will touch her. Our church of the week is Camp Creek Baptist Church in Liberty, South Carolina. Bo Mackey, many of you remember Bo. It's been a long time since we prayed for him. His wife recently had surgery, and so I wanted to add this here. And They're all doing good. The children are doing good. The little girl that we prayed so much for, she is doing well. And Lord willing, the whole family is going to come and be in the Bible conference this year so you get to see her again. But let's remember Bo and be praying for him. Also, remember Miss Dantzler. She's still at Memorial Hospital. I want to be praying for her. And, this, and then Alan Thompson. This is Francis and Ray's son. He found out this week he has cancer. And so we want to lift him up in prayer and be praying for him. And then a friend of Alex, Jeffrey. 
Uh, you want to uh, salvage, I believe you'd pronounce that. You want to be praying for him. And then Miss Jackson, uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, uh, she had a blood clot that uh, went through her brain and whatever, and so she is in uh, uh, intensive care at Erlanger Hospital. Let's remember Miss Jackson and be praying for her. And then someone shared with me before service tonight, many of you remember Brother Glenn Boatner. Uh, he went home to be at the Lord last night, and uh, so we want to remember the Boatner family and, and be lifting him up. I always loved Brother Glenn and always appreciated him. So let's remember the family pastoring this area for many, many years. Let's pray the Lord would touch them. Now let's come to the altar. And when you come, I want you to pray for our Missionary of the Week, our Church of the Week, and then I want you to pray tonight about your response to wanting your church to grow. Let's get, really, let's get where we're hungry to see our church grow. We can grow, folks. We really can grow. And let's want to grow. No matter what it takes, let's, I know you're willing to pay that price, but let's ask God tonight to help us to really want to grow. God, give us a desire. Lord, give our leaders a desire to grow. Give our pastor a desire to grow. Lord, stir all of our hearts and put within us a hunger to want to grow that we might be a growing church. Let's really pray for these things that God would help us to reach people for Christ. Jimmy Ammons, if you would please, lead us in prayer tonight. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. Oh, let this be a growing church. Yes. Pray for Jenny. Yes, Lord. Amen. Yes, they are, Lord. Bless them. Yes. Amen. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. Put it in our hearts. Yes. 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 Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand to our feet. Are you glad to be saved? Amen. As we, in the summer months, right in the heart of the summer months and things, Sunday, everybody try to bring someone and, and get in the spirit and this matter of growing and working and bring some with you Sunday. Do that. Will you let, let that go in in your heart instead of going in one ear and out the other? Everybody try to bring something, someone Sunday. And don't forget now, the uh, front will be all messed up this weekend, so we'll have to make our entrances either from the side uh, here at least for a Sunday, maybe two at the most, but that's just part of the construction there. And maybe some of the greeters, we're kicking off our greeters ministry in August, but maybe some of you that are going to be working in the greeters ministry could kind of be out here and out here just a little bit to help people and channel in. We'll try to get some signs up to guide everybody in. But if you do that, I appreciate that Sunday, and it'll help us out and 
Uh, it's so, you hate to all the mess, but yet it's exciting to see it happening. Amen? And looking forward to all that's going on. Be sure to shake hands and fellowship as you leave tonight. And good to have Eddie Goddard home. Go back there and thank him and, and make sure he's been tithing and all these different things. Fellowship as you leave. And we'll see you on the Lord's Day. There's Eddie.